Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Isaiah 8.17, and we're going to be moving pretty quickly, and I want to be succinct. I, have, I, I can't unbridle myself too much with too much storytelling this morning, but I do want to make a powerful uh, impression upon you about a story. I'll get to the story of Job. Who knows the story of Job? It's the oldest story in the Bible. It's the oldest book in the Bible, and it's about a man that was just seemingly unduly dealt with by God and uh, lost everything. And um, for 37 chapters, God didn't speak to him. God was silent, and then God spoke. And um, and so I think it would do us good for some people, and in the context of what we've been going through, that I should entitle this message and speak on this message called, When God Seems Distant. Okay, here we go. Isaiah eight seventeen. The Lord has hidden himself from his people, but I trust him and place my hope in him. Who's a bit like that? God is real, my friend, no matter how you feel. Say that. God is real no matter how I feel. And so when everything is going rosy and good, when you got, you know, you got warmth, you got food, your car's running right, studies are doing well, your work is going good, you, you know, everything is just rolling your way. It's easy to worship God, is it not? Is it a struggle to come to church when it's rainy? Put your hand up, you fair weather friends. Yeah, it's good to be honest. Even Luke Eagle put his hand up. Fair weather friend. <laughs> You were here when it flooded, yeah, when we couldn't get in, couldn't get here. But um, how do we worship God when God seems distant? What are you smiling at, Angus? You doing all right? Yeah, he's doing good. How do you worship God when God seems a million miles away? How do you go then? How do you go then? That's basically a little bit what I want to talk about. The deepest level of worship is praising God in spite of our trials, of our temptations, of our anguish, all that and more that comes against us. It's digging in deep and saying, you know what? I'm going to worship him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to give him due honor. And that's what a mature relationship in God is like. That's ultimately, if we, if the pastors and God could get you to that place alone, you would be rocking for the all your days, for the rest of your days. But it is hard when he seems distant. Friendships are often tested by separation and silence, aren't they, Joe Ward? You are, when you're divided by physical distance, physical distance. And you're unable to talk. Well, you can talk to Joe. Someone downloaded an app. It's called, help me, Viper? Viber. Ah, Viber. And I got to talk with your pastor, Simon McIntyre. Because when I 
downloaded the app, it notifies everyone I'm on Viber, and uh, he, he had a little talk with me. And so, <laughs> no, it's all good. In your friendship with God, you won't always feel close to Him. In your friendship with Joe Ward, you won't feel close to her. I'm sorry, Joe, but you've become a great little point of reference. Phil, Philip Yancey has wisely noted, any relationship involves times of closeness and times of distance. And in a relationship with God, no matter how intimate, the pendulum will swing from one side to the other. That's when worship is difficult. But guess what? God wants to mature you in his relationship with you, 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 and I. He certainly does. When God feels distant and you can't feel him, I think I went through that last year. Huge year for myself. And I don't want to unpack that too much, but to say I'd used every prayer, I'd used every form of uh, spiritual discipline to get back to that place where I felt him, where I could feel him. You know, the presence of God and you just feel feel that he's there but then when he's not that takes basic trust you just got to trust God that he's there because this life is not about feelings it's about faith and God wants to bring you to faith and if it was about feelings our relationship with Joe Ward um well, that would be tough, but we choose to hang tough and hold on to these relationships in our life, and especially in God, and say, God is. God is. I'm going to help you how to get through that. Acts 13.22, David, besides Jesus, probably had the closest friendship with God of anyone, and God took pleasure in calling him a man after my own heart, Acts 13, 22. Yet David frequently complained of God's apparent absence, Psalm 10, verse 1. Oh Lord, you read the Psalms. I love the Psalms. Read the Psalms. Because it exp- if you have trouble with your emotions, by the way, expression your emotions, man uh, or woman. You need to read the Psalms because David has this amazing ability to share his feelings and emotions. I'm jealous for these men that can write their feelings down. And, you know, you see their birthday cards to their loved ones or whatever. And who are these guys? I mean, where do they get, how do they do this? And they can unpack their feelings and their, just their deepest desires and they unpack it and it's beautiful. I think Andrew Flaxman's a little bit like that. Or does he... He uses gifts, I think. He just buys the biggest flowers in the whole shop. Or, or the biggest teddy bear or whatever. Says, there it is. That's how I feel. 
Psalm 22 verse 1 says, here's David's feelings again. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? I've got to move on quickly. Psalm 43 verse 2. You are my God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Why, Basically, why have you abandoned me? But really, God hadn't abandoned David. He hadn't never abandoned him. Because God says in his word in Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Who can say amen to that? But God has never, truly, God has never promised that he would be about us in this very, you know, he didn't say my presence will be with you all the days in the sense that my, my special, his omnipresence will, he's there. Nothing you can do can phase that. You could do any crazy thing. His omnipresence is there. But His manifested presence, there's stuff we call the anointing and the glory and the presence that comes so intimately sometimes, that can actually back off a little bit sometimes. And that is tough. Um, Isaiah 45 verse 15. Truly, you are a God who hides Himself, O God, Savior, Israel. Seems like He's missing in action. Almost. Floyd McClung describes it like this. You wake up one morning and all your spiritual feelings are gone. You pray, but nothing happens. You rebuke the devil, but it doesn't change anything. Is someone saying amen to this? You go through spiritual exercises. I did. You have your friends pray for you. I had that. You confess every sin you can imagine. I did that. Then you go around asking forgiveness from everyone you know. You fast. (laughs) You fast still nothing. Who's a bit like this? You begin to wonder how long this spiritual gloom might last last days weeks months who's been through a time like this will i would it ever end it feels as your prayers simply bounce off the ceiling in utter desperation you cry out what's the matter with me who's a bit like that the truth is nothing's wrong with you this is a normal part of god testing and maturing you it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing when you first get saved because he answers all your selfish prayers. He does. You pray and, man, did you see that? You've got to get saved. This is awesome. Man, did you see my boyfriend or God? Did you see my girlfriend? Did you see this car? And he does that for a little while. I mean, he does. He does. Um, we talk about Job. Let's have a look at Job, who went through a time, I guess, of being tested. And, um, and, and I should say that this will happen to everyone at least once, where God backs himself off from you and leaves you stark naked, where you feel like, I thought, man, I was, I thought I was good with God. I thought I was right with God. I thought... Um, but, but, and you feel like you're walking around naked because you're used to the anointing, you're used to the favor of God, you're used to this great feeling in God. Is, is this right? And then you feel like, I'm Mr. Ordinary. Man, I'm no one. Look who I'm, I'm crap. Yeah. Job, the story of Job teaches us that we got to hang on through when these times confront us. Job is one of the oldest stories in the Bible. It's a, it's, 
the book of Job is a poetry book. One of the, it's, a, it's a major story, and I, I can't unpack it too much, but I know this, that Job was seemingly unjustly uh, dealt a, a bitter hand. He, he lost everything. He lost his wife, his children, his home, his business, his health. He was absolutely wiped out in one day. Absolutely wiped out in one day. And we say, as people, why? Why would such a thing happen to you, to a guy like this? Why? Why would, why would this good person suffer like this? Everyone questions this. Acts, uh, Job 23, verse 8. I go east. Isn't it great to hear the pit-patter of those kids? I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he's hidden. I look to the south, but he's concealed. But he knows, but he knows where I am going. Job says this much, but he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, Job knew he was in a test. He gets hit the first chapter. Whack, 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 whack. 37 chapters of three friends trying to console him. Three philosophical friends, you know, saying, oh, it could be because you got sin. No, it's because of this. No, you got to do this. And, you know, 37 chapters of this. And then in the 38th chapter, God speaks. And I want to get to that. Some people think, God's angry with me. That's why. No, it's not. Some people think I've sinned. Probably not. Most times not. But we can, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can. So the point there I want to make is, you can do all sorts of disastrous stuff, but God's omnipresence is still there. He's still got a big smile on His face. He never gets... See, we have these human imaginations that go, oh God, He's got a big frown. He's upset with me. He's got His hands on His hip. He's looking at me. He's disgusted with me. No! God's always like that. He's always like that. Every time you come off the the soccer field, the hockey field, the the playing field of life, unlike some fathers, he's always going, well done. Man, you blew it. You fell over. You scored a goal for the other team, but it's cool. He's, you know, did I do the wrong grip? No, your human dad would, you know, have a condescending look at sometimes and, and maybe suck up. But, you know, God, he's unfazed. He has no condensation in him. I mean, does that work out? <laughs> condensation. <laughs> I love you, Lord. I love you. He's, he's rock steady. He's looking at you and he's just going, this is my boy. Pat you on the back, looks up at everyone else and goes, this is my boy. When everyone's teasing you and mocking you and trying to drag you down, pull you down, God's just got the biggest smile on his face, patting in your back, but he's my boy. And he's all good with me. And even if he did score a goal for the other team, well done, son, that was a great goal. (laughs) I don't know. But we can grieve God. It's absolutely right. We can grieve God. I wanted to read Psalm 51 where it basically talks about God created me a clean heart so your presence will not slip away. Uh, But Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Also it says in 1 
Thessalonians uh, 5.19 or 1 Thessalonians. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. But often this feeling of abandonment and estrangement from God has nothing to do with sin. That's the point I need to make. It is a test of faith, guys. Can you just say that after me? It is a test of faith. One we all must face. Say that. One we all must face. Will you continue to love, trust and obey and worship God? That's That's the faith test right there. Will you continue to represent yourself to God through all the calamity of life, through the crucible of the trials of life? Will you continue to suck it up and say, God, you're God. You're the Lord God. I choose to worship you and love you despite what my feelings are saying, despite how I feel. God, I'm just going to persist and pursue you. This is for someone here in the house. The situations that will stretch your faith, most will be those times when life falls apart. God is nowhere to be found. And this happened to Job. On a single day, he lost everything. His family's business, his health and everything he owned. Most discouragingly, for 37 chapters, God said nothing. How do you praise God when God's not communicating with you? How do you praise God when you don't feel him? How do you do that? How do you stay connected with this God? How do you, how do you keep your eyes on Jesus when your eyes are full of tears? How do you do that, man? It is a struggle, absolutely. Job shows us this. I'm moving along quickly. Sorry, but I have to. Job 1.20, I think it is. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he, then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Jacob shows us we just got to offload every feeling. We just got to just be real and say to God, he can handle it, guys. He can handle your doubt. You can say, God, I'm not sure, man, if you're even knowing about me, if, if you're here at the moment, if you even know me, if you even want to know me. I'm not sure, God. I am honestly not sure. This is what the Psalms are about. The Psalms continually are about David's feelings and emotions about his struggle to be in communication with God, to be in the presence of God. But God is training us up. God is maturing us that when we have a time of distance, like we've had with Joe for a year, are we willing to come back to Joe and say, Joe, it's cool. Man, we love you. We trust this relationship we have with Joe, but we trust this relationship we have with God. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on feelings. It's It's a lesson of faith, guys. Are are you getting this? So tell God exactly how you feel, guys. Young people, everyone in the house. Offload every emotion, every feeling. Job 7.11. I cannot keep from speaking. He's down at the 7.11. He thinks, you know what? I cannot keep from speaking. I must express my... He's having a slushy. And he says, I can't express my anguish. I must express my anguish. 
My bitter soul must complain. He throws his slushy to the ground. (laughs) He cries out when God seemed distant. The 7-Eleven attendant, who's this guy? They're freaked out. Job 29 verse 4. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my life, my house, my life. All was good. God can handle your deepest, deepest feelings. He can handle your doubt, your despair, your frustration. Go to him, guys. Go to God with this. Like Job did. His friends were saying, you got sin in your life. He didn't have sin in his life. Oh, you didn't fast enough. It wasn't the problem. Job was the most righteous man on the planet. Satan had come to God and said, I want to test this guy because you know why he worships you? Because everything goes well with him. Everything. Look, he's got all this great stuff, all this cattle, the best houses, the most beautiful women he had in the, in the land, apparently. Job had the most beautiful women. Oh, he just worships you because his daughters are drop-dead gorgeous. And God says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this as a story forevermore. You can test him. Satan, you can test him. But I'll only let you test him as much as I say. See, Satan is bound. He can only move as much as God lets him move. Just remember that. He'll only take you through that which you can handle. The grace. He won't take you beyond what you can handle. Just remember that. And of course, David... He confesses, I'm undone, I'm ruined. That can actually be a statement of faith, you know. Trusting God but feeling despair at the same time. It's, it's funny, isn't it? David wrote in Psalm 116 verse 10, Sorry guys, I've got to get this out. I believed. That's a good start. So I said, that's another good start. He prayed. I am completely ruined. I think I said that last year. I believe you, God. I'm not going anywhere, man. I am praying and I believe you're listening. But you know what? I'm done for, God. I thought I had, I thought I had some strength. I thought I had some grit. I thought I had faith that would, look what we've done here together. Look at the stuff we've pulled off together. And last year, the Lord let me come to the end of myself and I hit the dust, man. I was done for, man. I didn't have any ounce of strength. So it's, you know, David teaches us here. First, he believed in God. Second, he believed God would listen to his prayer. Third, he believed God would let him say what he felt and still love him. We've got to focus, guys, on the unchanging nature of God. We've got to remind ourselves of the eternal fact that God loves us. He's got great things planned for you. He is rock steady, rock solid toward you with his love. And it ain't going nowhere. V. Raymond Edmonds said, Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. V. Raymond Edmonds said, Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light 
when Job, when Job's life fell apart and God was silent, Job still found, Job still found things he could praise God for. PowerPoint. Job 10, 12. That God is good and loving, guys. You gave me life. This is Job. He's got sores all over him. He's got nothing. He's broke. His wife, in the end, says, give up on God. He's absolutely standing himself now in his own salvation. And he just knows, I've not done anything wrong. But this is killing me. I'm suffering. I'm down. I'm out. I'm... Yeah, he's got grievances, all right. But, but he's still something of, of grit inside him that won't let go. And he says... He says this. These are the scriptures that he says throughout these 37 chapters where God is silent. He says, you give me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was persevered, was preserved by your care. Two, that he be all powerful. Job 42 verse 2. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. Third, three, that he notices every detail of my life. Job 23.10 But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. That he's in control, guys. Job 34, 13. Did someone else put the world in his care? Who set the the whole world in place? Job's amazing. He's an awesome man of God. Next. That he has a plan for my life. Never give up on that, guys. Job 23, 14. So he will do to me whatever he has planned. He controls my destiny. And last, that he will save me. Job 19, 25. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. Amen. Trust God to keep his promises, guys. During times of spiritual dryness, you must patiently rely on the spiritual promises of God, not your emotions, but faith. God's God's building something in you that needs to happen. It's an unfortunate thing when God seemingly is distant and he's not speaking, but God is trying to mature you to develop you on the inside so that you don't worship God by feelings. We don't come to church to worship God and have a feeling hit. Oh, it was beautiful. Oh, he stimulated me. Oh, I've never felt... No. He wants to bring you to a place of trust like David. He wants you to be able to come into the house of God and say, you know what? I didn't feel much at all, but I trust And I believe in God. And it was beautiful. A lot of us have been conditioned to have an emotional hit. Entertainment is wanting to hit us up all the time. We get goosebumps. We get enthralled. We get thrilled. We get happy. We laugh. But God says emotions are good. But I want you to trust me. I don't want my relationship in you just built on feelings. I want you to know me. Let's all stand. God bless you. Job 23 verse 12. 
Job says this, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of the mouth more than my daily bread. Job, he just does not give up on the word of God. He does not give up on the promises of God. Guys, don't give up on the promises of God. Don't give up on the word of God. Don't give up. Hang tough, hang tough in God. I got this late last night. I jumped into bed and I thought, I've done my sermon. It's all done. And then God said to me, and he pointed out something to me in Hebrews, and I need to get this across. And it's talking about holding fast. Say hold fast. And it talks in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews talks about the theme of Jesus Christ as our high priest at the right hand of the Father, constantly interceding for us. Amen. Get, please listen to me. This is the, this is the, this is so important to understand this. Through all the emotions of life, through the trials of life, through the complications of life, through all the stuff that doesn't make sense, through all the anguish, through all the despair, through all the darkness, through all that stuff. You got to know this, that your Redeemer lives that your Redeemer lives, but He lives at the right hand of the Father. Now, I need to show you something. I need to show you something. He lives to intercede for you. Hebrews 7.23 Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for Him. For them. should be wearing my glasses. And the upshot of this is called that Jesus prays for you. He has become your personal guarantor of God's promises. He is your full-time personal lawyer. It's like having Samuel. He's a lawyer. He runs a lawyer firm, five solicitors, lawyers. It's like having his company right there beside you as you travel through life. And they will deal with every complication as they see fit. But Jesus is that. He is that one. But the limitations on Jesus to enact his goodwill upon you depend upon your spoken word. Here it is. Hebrews 3.1. I'm nearly done. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Say confession. Jesus Christ. He needs your confession. He needs you to speak. He needs you to say, God, I believe in your word. If we went to Samuel as a lawyer and said, I want you to defend me. And I never said, Samuel, this is the case. I went through a speeding three lights. And, but you know what? It wasn't me. If I didn't say anything, he would say, help me. I need to know. You need to confess something. We need to confess something to Jesus. He's limited without the confession of our lips to say Jesus Christ. And the basic confession would be like this, Jesus Christ, your Lord, your word is living and active. The blood of Christ, the blood of Christ, the word of God, Jesus is Lord. That's your confession right there. As you just say that simply, Jesus Christ is Lord. The B-I-B-L-E is real. It's true. It's living. I kneel on the promises of God, the blood of Christ, 
heals me, blesses me, saves my soul. Hold fast, guys. And the last point I want to make out of the book of Hebrews in understanding, and I'm sure this is why it was written, understanding that we would face resistance, changing circumstances and stress on this planet. So he emphasized the importance of perseverance, doggedly clinging to God's word, which does not change. Hebrews 10, 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. I said guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I said washed with pure water. 23, let us hold, say this after me, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Satan would try and come against you and steal your praise and steal your confession and wash you up on feelings. But can I tell you this morning, you need to say to that devil, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And I declare the risen Lord sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for me, my family, my friends, my church. And I confess Him as Lord, Lord God Almighty of my life, my friends, my church, my youth group, my young people. And in Jesus' name, I declare Him as Lord. The devil is a liar. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.